0: This is John Logan Parsons III from Immerser, and you're listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rock.
1: Check that out. That is Gladiator by Taylor McCluskey, our new guest here on The Hook Rocks. Before we get into that, just wanted to say hello and how is everyone doing out there? Welcome back to another episode of The Hook Rocks Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us wherever you do podcasts. Write us a review on any platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, Pandora, iHeart, wherever you podcast, you'll find us. Also, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, so check us out there, pantheonpodcast.com. Follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods. You can check out The Hook Rocks, Karma to Peace, Vinnie Epicy, and Hanging and Bangin', Mistress Carrie, Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian, Shout Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus, and Cobras and Fire. So check out all those great podcasts as well. And thank you again for tuning in. My next guest is Taylor McCluskey, and we are about to get into his music. And once again, he is part of the new music spotlight, and all the way from Canada, I believe. I'd like to welcome into yeah yeah. How you doing, man? Hey, hey, man! Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm thankful you're on the show. Thankful, like I said, to get to know you a little bit. Um, I appreciate you doing this, and. As we always start, every time we get a first-time guest, we ask the same first question, and that is what the show is all about. And that is just like every rock song that has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you?
2: Uh, Sticky Fingers by the Roman Stones. Well, there you go. That's a very
1: definitive answer without hesitation.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the whole thing.
1: What was it about that album that brought you in and started your journey in rock and roll?
2: Uh, it's just, you know, ba- essentially it's just the realness of, of the rock, the swing, the rhythm, you know, Jagger's vocals, the lyrics, you know, the backline, you know, Keith obviously. Um, they, I don't know. To me, that, that that's the epitome of a rock and roll band altogether, you know. They've been playing for a long time with each other and So it was, um, I think they all kind of, they definitely nailed it on that one from the structure and songwriting and the sound, you know, the sound was everything. I mean that tape sound and the way everything was mic'd and placed and mixed and mastered and it's beautiful. Absolutely. I think it's like, to me, it's like a work of art. It is a great album that whole period with them, with exile on
1: main street, let it bleed sticky fingers, Some other albums that came after that, kind of like on the fringe. But those three albums right there, that's my favorite era of the Rolling Stones. Mine
2: too. Mine too.
1: Yeah, Mick Taylor. Mick Taylor really brought that dirtiness to the band, that dirty blues sound. I mean, I always had it, but it just elevated it to another level.
2: Absolutely.
1: As it went from there, from the Rolling Stones, when did it become... Something that you wanted to do, wanted that you wanted to sing on stage, wanted to perform. When, what was that uh, like for you?
2: Well, when I started to kind of see the footage of the past of, you know, I think there was like cocksucker blues and, you know, all these like really kind of weird, you know, 60 millimeter um, footage that uh, my old boss at Handmade Films, I used to work at, Tom Adelman. He had like all these DVDs. You know, he worked with Chuck Berry on some things. He worked with Keith. And so while we're, you know, I was learning about filmmaking, like very English, you know, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and, you know, Monty Python stuff, like he had this array of of musicology at his fingertips because he was a giant fan like I was. And so he kind of opened up that, that realm of music because that wasn't my time. I mean, I was born in 1982. So we had, you know, like there was like Joy Division and, you know, Joshua Tree and you know all those, all those a lot of a lot of awesome artists during that time the punk era and, and kind of um you know dance rock kind of era um but he he was able to open that up and plus you know George Harrison started the company and so we that was when I really dove into Beatles all the Beatles stuff and they had all this bootleg Beatles uh records and CDs and DVDs and all kinds of stuff like he just had this amazing library of like I said, musicology of, of all the great acts from the 60s and 70s, even like, you know, we got into Chuck Berry and, and Muddy Waters and like the really old, you know, old blues players or kind of rock and roll kind of spawned from. That that took me to a place of like, wow, this the way I feel when I listen to this, you know, stripped down without all the, the sauces and everything, like just like guitar, amp, drums, bass, like, you know, right out of the mic or even just right in the room, you know, with one mic. And in the, in the way that, how soulful it was, you know, especially with all the R&B artists of that time. That made me really want to dive into music, especially rock and roll. There was something there that was just so edgy and so fun and so unique and real that I was like, I want to do this the rest of my life. And so we just, you know, I started, started trying to, uh, you know, play well. And you know, I was always a writer. I was always writing poetry, almost kind of Jim Morrison-esque kind of poetry. Um, since I was a youth But the guitar came in When I was at UCLA And my buddy uh, Tuffy Williams Gave me his dad's guitar Because I couldn't afford anything At that time and He was like Here play this And then from there It spawned into Okay I gotta figure out How to You know Get enough money To go get that you know, Epiphone Dot And get those Les Paul pickups I really like And put that in there And you know You're always working a deal with the shop <laughs> you know, and, and trying to, trying to say, okay, come on, man, I can get, I can do this. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's, it's just amazing. It's an amazing journey. If I look back on it now to see like all the different, um, places I, I, I went to, to search. I was in search of music. I was in search of sounds. I was in search of knowledge. And I think that's kind of, you know, it's the artist way, you know, it's like you, I found a way to where I am now because I never, never gave up, you know, kept leaning into it. So Yeah, that era of music. I mean, I listen to even Django Reinhardt. I mean, I just love guitars. I love the way guitars sound. There's so many talented, like Eric Clapton, there's so many talented guitar players out there. It's just amazing. You know, so, um, yeah, that's kind of a nutshell.
1: Was there a moment that validated your journey that gave you the confidence that you were on, the path
2: you wanted to be on? The first time I took took the stage, it was a joint in Los Angeles, like Pico and Crescent Heights. And it was just a little stage, long bar that was right next to it. I could fit 250 people in there. Um, and that was the first show we had with the MFICs. So it was Burt Baker Jr. Our bass player at the last moment, <laughs> at the last moment like some came up. So Terrence LeClaire, um, my guitar player and songwriter, um, we did an album. Our first album essentially was called The Dark Horse and uh Mm -hmm. then that turned into climbing the hill and these are all you know songs of ours that were very very raw and fresh and we took the stage so he had a switcher so the switcher went into the bass cab and also went to the guitar so as he plays guitar we can have some bass in there too that kind of warmed it up a bit and then we had this amazing drummer named Bert baker jr who played with the far side who had kind of a hip-hop background but he was I mean, I love playing with him. He was, he was such, it was such a warm feeling when he would play. This big, big guy. And, you know, once I took the stage and we started getting into the first number, you know, looking out and seeing all the happy people, you know, having drinks and just going, Whoo! you know, all that stuff there. I kind of felt like this is where I need to be. The lights are on and everything was dark and, you know, and the first ballad and the first hook that I went into, it just kind of brought everything together. You know, this is like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. No matter how how hard it is or like how difficult these times can get. Like I always know that when I, when I'm struggling with something, I can always pick up a guitar and I can sing and I can write and I can get it out and hopefully, you know, share with, with somebody that needs, you know, maybe some, some guidance or maybe needs to escape a bit, you know, whatever they're going through maybe it can help them, you know? So it was medicine for me. So, uh, yeah, first time I took stage, so that was definitely it. I knew I was I was at the right place. Is it still medicine for you? Is it still therapy for you? Writing music and performing, a thousand percent. I mean, kind of Glenn Robinson and I, who's my producer and, and fellow guitar player here, has a plethora of experience in, in the business and as a songwriter too. And and we have called it therapy sessions where we get in. I'll either either send in like a riff. Or he'll send me a riff, or I'll send him a, like a vocal a melody, or you know maybe a full song. It just all depends on what's happening. And we have an iPad Pro going on in my studio here, and I and I send it directly to him, and then we start getting on the phone and talking about it. And the beautiful thing is, like you know, nine times out of ten, we're if it's worth sending, it's worth worth doing. So we always, you know, I make sure I edit very well. But sometimes you just can't get something out of your head, and you just have to put it down and send it over, and just keep pushing through it no matter what, you know. So yeah it's it is medicine it is it gives me hope and faith um to keep doing what I'm doing and it's every song we do we get a little bit better you know we get it, we get a little bit more edge on it we get a little bit more grip on the guitars you know so absolutely when you think back on your journey and you
1: think back you know in your development, how have you evolved the
2: most as an artist well. The most, I would have to say, um, you know, anytime there's a blockade or or some sort of, you know, challenge, I love going through that challenge. And through that challenge, I feel like the music gets deeper, and more authentic. I mean, we always try to start from an authentic authentic place, especially with the storyline, like, you know, trying to capture lightning in a bottle per se, right? So it usually starts with a little bit of quiet keep the room quiet and then see what comes in. Maybe a little meditation to kind of get into the flow, a little TM meditation, whatever it is, you know, in the moment there, 20 minutes. And then, you know, you just you just keep handling it and you keep throwing paint on the, on the canvas. I mean, sometimes you're going to write a lick and it's just not going to fit with what the new melody is, right? So you have to go rethink that. But again, like nine times out of 10, when we put down a guitar part, especially a rhythm part, Everything kind of fits in there very nicely when Glenn and I get in the studio and start working it out, and then we send like bass stems and and kind of an idea for drums to Andrew James, who's been my bass player for over ten years, and he's in Los Angeles, and then Zach St. John, who's been my my drummer, Jesus, uh, I think nine years. I met him through Andrew, and uh, then he, they do it at their place and they send it back, and then we, we, we mix everything in here. But that's kind of the glue of the band, like my guys in LA for sure, but. I definitely have a squad here, too, that we can go and, and do live sessions or we can go do live shows in Canada very quickly or anywhere on the East Coast. So I have a West Coast MFICs and, a, and an East Coast MFICs um, that are ready to go at any, any moment. Because um, I just didn't want to lose my edge, you know, being so far away from, from home, which is, for me, California.
1: The new song is Gladiator. It is a phenomenal song. Everyone I've played it for, it just is like, "What is this? Who is this?" And they're like, "This is badass." So, and I agree, it is badass. Thank you. About this song, um, it just you know has recently come out. When was this song written? We wrote this song this
2: year, earlier this year. Like, we did eighteen songs during the duration of the lockdown and COVID. So, this is one of the eighteen.
1: When you look back on this writing process and you look back at the session of creating this music, how much did did COVID, did the pandemic alter your music or change the tone of of
2: of your of your songs? You know, being away from the fans and being away from a live experience musically um, was really hard. You know, across the board. I know a lot of artists and bands and actors and writers and a bunch of everyone in every industry, pretty much like they struggled through this time, you know, but I knew. And if I kept on going and kept on, you know, handling every single day, like it's a work day. So, you know, getting up, taking the kids, wherever they go to school or their home, helping out with the misses, you know, getting exercise in, you know, eating well, and then going to the office or the studio and just plugging away. Like I knew that was going to be very helpful for the, um, the artists and me to keep, keep motivating and keep producing. You know, I, I kind of saw this lockdown as an opportunity to, to really take some time with the songs. When everything is kind of up and running like it was pre-COVID, um, there's a lot of pressure on, on getting things out quickly. You know, you're like, okay, well, we've got to do another record now, right? And even the way we're, we're you know, releasing this content you know, my uh, my buddy in the UK, who's, who's been a music manager for a lot of years, called me and we had this chat. And he said, why don't you release it, a single each month? Pick a day, which for our day is the fourth of every month. and Release a single and let people spend time with the songs. Because in the last couple of records you did, maybe two or three of those songs out of all those you know, 14 or 16 tracks got the most attention. But there are some really great songs in there, like what happened with Star God when we released that really released a full record. And, um, and I invest heavily into marketing. I, I find marketing is one of the well, biggest pieces of the puzzle here is, is making sure that we can get in front of the right people and target it properly, um, but also make sure that it, um, it gets the visibility it needs. So by reverse engineering what we've previously done by releasing records, each month it's given us the opportunity to really just talk about the the song as a, it's almost like a mini movie, right? It's one song, beginning, middle, and end. It's like a little mini film we can talk to people about and and give them a chance with it. There's so much content out there, right? So we just don't want, we want to make sure that every song that we've done through this COVID experience um, gets the right amount of time to listen to and absorb and watch, you know? That is true. There's so much great rock
1: music being released this year, and it is, I mean, every week there's three or four albums that are just like, you're you're like, wow, this is incredible. I mean, everyone is swinging for the fences. A lot of this stuff, too, was delayed last year that's come out, and, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, I think when it's all said and done, 2021 will be thought of as the year of great rock music, and the resurgence of rock music began you know, people say the fall of 2020, but really, you know, the centerpiece is going to be 2021. Um, And it's interesting. It's an interesting, uh, interesting perspective in, you know, releasing music these days because people's attention spans are so short. And, you know, what is thought of as great on New Music Friday is, you know, people have moved on by the following week. So you do have to stay in front of your fans. You do have to stay in front of them to be relative to them. And that's a constant struggle with so many artists to release a song and have, you know, people enjoy and people kind of absorb it. What, you know, when it's all done, when you release all the albums, will there be a full length album that will come out with including all the material?
2: Yeah. I want to put it on vinyl. So I'm looking at third man records right now to do a vinyl piece um, for the whole, you know, 18 tracks. Um, so yeah, we, we have some plans for, for the end result because just kind of sum it all up and put it together and then, um, you know, make it, make it, um, viable for the audience to just be like, okay, cool. Now I can listen to it from beginning, middle and end and understand why it was made because anytime I attack music or a record, I want to make it like a, like a beautiful movie, you know, a, a, a rock and roll style, you know, ensemble of these amazing songs these amazing characters i look at each song as a character right so they all fit in with the the full album in my brain in my head and the way it was designed very similar to star god and uh, very similar to reckless and eternal love too um those are all you know, some past records of mine but uh, when we started doing it there was the uh yeah bring, drop the record and it's You can put it on track one and go all the way through and there's a whole storyline built in because that's what we do, you know? got to make it interesting.
1: You know, because you're a dual artist with both music and film, that perspective that you just told me about is interesting because I've never heard that before, you know, in relation to music. Um, Is that just something that comes naturally for you with that perspective because of the two mediums that you do perform in?
2: I guess it was kind of one of the it was one of those things that um, was very uh, visually stunning for me when I was cutting, because I do all the, the editing and stuff for the videos, right? So I'm always looking at it from a, from a filmmaker perspective as well as a uh, musician. Um, the compositions um, in, in tuning to, to the essence of what the song is representing from a story and structural perspective all connect throughout the whole you know 18 to 16 depending um, album you know, and uh, tracklist but yes I, I would say that because I've you know written scripts we have a script called young blood that's about Navy seals fighting the cartel and um, that's traveling around right now too so um, I like to make my pieces have a cohesive linear message storyline narrative uh, through beginning middle and end you know, let's make it, uh, you know, have some, uh, some flex, but yeah, most definitely I, I would say because of my film background, um, the music was definitely looked at from that perspective as well. Once, um, things were, were definitely finalized from a mastering perspective of the song and the way it sounds and the energy of that character, that individual track as a character and that I want to make sure that was completed and then placed in the right order. So, um, yeah, it's, I I don't know why I think like that. It just kind of happened after doing this for a long time. It just kind of became the thing, you know?
1: Thinking of the sessions to create this new music and writing this new music during a pandemic, when you look back and compare it to other recordings that you've done and other music that you've put out, what... Is the biggest difference between this music and what you've done previously?
2: Well, if we look at a lot of the songs that I did in LA, like a lot of the EPs, for instance, like Static in Her Head, um, that was done uh, live band um, at Clear Lake Audio in North Hollywood to tape, um, and it was full performance. Right, you know, a couple of takes of each song, but. You know, that was it. We were in the room together. And then we went to East West Studios and we did a single called Bang Bang, My Fire Is For You. And that was, again, done through the Thriller Board, live bands, you know, that energy is pretty spectacular. The, you know, when you get into Star God, various points of Eternal Love, um, actually the full record of Eternal Love, Star God, and this, uh, this new one, which is now, it's Untitled you know, we had to do a lot of this stuff remotely because when I left Los Angeles in 2016, um, to Montreal, the band, you know, had to come up with other ways of making sure we, we keep this journey going. So, um, luckily I was able to, you know, sit down with Glenn and have this conversation because he was like, well, we have all these you know great musicians here. I was like, no, no, no. It's like the ethos of us, um, and how far we've come, I need to continue that storyline through. And so, when it comes to recording the records, um, we do it with uh, it's me, it's Glenn, and it's um, you know Andrew James, and it's Zach Saint John. Now, when we do the live stuff, which we've done up to date ten, we've done ten versions. So you saw you know Gladiator. We did Stay with Me, Freedom Fighters coming out August fourth, and we have two other ones, which is Young Blood and Bulletproof, and then we did five other songs this last Friday at my drummer's house in Saint Silver. So we're going to have live versions of the studio versions on top of Atmos versions of all the songs, 18 songs. So when we do a release, we hit them with the studio version, we hit them with the live version, and we also hit them with the Atmos version. So it gives you three different versions of the song coming out on the fourth of every month, plus a live music video Uh, shows a band here in Montreal, which is, Ange crusoe and then gary mckenzie which are my guys here in montreal and they're fantastic players and um they've been able to encapsulate everything we we did within the record live and so we are by doing that we are ready to go on the road you know so we know the songs frontwards and backwards you know we're just waiting to uh to work out some other details so we can go on the road and start playing these things live
1: writing this music did you feel like this was an escape for you? I mean, you, you talked earlier in the conversation about it being medicine. And, you know, let's face it, last year was incredible in terms of just the chaos and everything happening with COVID. Here in the States, we had the, the toxic election and, you know, protests. When you're recording music and you're writing music, how much of that stuff affects you?
2: All of it. I mean, it's, it's my country. Know, my country went through our country, sorry, went through a lot of chaos, and it's slowly being rebuilt back. Um, this COVID thing destroyed families, um, destroyed the world to a large degree. It's been a been a terrible, terrible pandemic, and very difficult for, for many families. Um, you know it. It is a form of writing music is a form of escapism for sure. Um, for me it's it's a place where I can go and, and get all my thoughts out and and find a way to to balance that out with, with with the sonic beauty perfection of of instrumentation that can you know paint that feeling and that emotion um, that can translate through headphones, earbuds, um, speakers in all different settings from theaters to cars um iphones um you know it it's it's been very difficult not being back home you know i miss my grandfather's funeral you know like a accoutrement of things i was i missed because of the lockdown so i took all those feelings and emotions and put them into the music and put them into the distortion and put them into the drums and the in the in the vocals and the in the the, in the prowess I needed to get out on that on that um, on the Pro Tools you know what I mean like I made the Pro Tools kind of my punching bag you know Um, I made my amps kind of that beacon of of sonic hope you know when I put it through there it would it can basically say what I needed to say and and I hope it makes sense for for the listeners um, when they listen to it and they feel it you know Gladiator was what I felt going through this time And trying to keep the band, both bands, finance and going and and making sure all the marketing plans were were in action during, you know, uh, COVID and making sure that we can still get our music out there um, while we're insulated in our our homes. So, yeah, it was it wasn't easy. But, you know, I try to look on the bright side of it because, you know, I can't just wallow in self-pity. I need to be in action and I need to find solutions that are going to keep this thing going because. And there's been a lot of, a lot of investment and a lot of blood, sweat and tears in this thing. And, you know, that these are the times where either you sink or you swim, you know? Um,
1: so, yeah. When you, you know, are writing this music, you know, people always talk about the edge, you know, that you're searching for, you know, giving the music that edge or you are finding that edge when you're creating. And sometimes it has to you know be artificially found, right you have to search for it you know it's like it's like an athlete finding that competitive or 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 finding that drive you know to be competitive and it's the same thing here with music too, and when you're having all this happen and you're seeing all this happen, it organically creates an edge that many artists maybe have not felt before because it's coming at them whereas Sometimes you're seeking it, right? Is there yeah. a difference for you? I mean, it, it, was it was it a different type of vibe because it was, you know, this was real reality. This was everything, almost like everything under the sun happening at once. Like it felt like the country was burning down, you know, during uh, you know different times. And you're sitting here, and you're a creative person, and you're an artist, and you've got to take in and absorb what you're seeing and what you're experiencing, and then shift it to creation and shift it to output, outputting the music. How was it easier for you during this time? Was it difficult to kind of feel it and kind of place it in the right spot? What was that like for you?
2: I always like watching the movie Rocky. Just get pumped up sometimes, you know? It's, you know, I feel like you're, uh, I am a fighter and I am a, um, I' am very persistent and I, I don't give up easily I never give up um, I will drag it out as long as it needs to be dragged out um, and for me it's like whenever there's obstacles or challenges that's when I get excited that's when it's when it's easy and everything's smooth I get bored and very like reckless you know um, so I need to to make sure that there's a goal and so what I when I made sure um, that I did was I was like, okay, so this month we're going to do two singles. You know, we're going to add two songs to the deck, and um, and so that kept kept me very busy through that. Plus, you know, periodically there's auditions for feature films and TV shows and all that stuff too. So that takes time too. That you have to prep for that as well and send those off. But ultimately, I always made sure I had something to do. And when I wasn't feeling inspired, you know, I'll go outside and go for you know run. Bring my kids with me on the bikes and, and get outside and try to get some you know nature um, around me and, and get inspired that way. I go for hikes with buddies and you know just try to get outside in nature and, and run and, and try to get, you know go go you know, swimming whatever it was just to keep my body in the in the right condition because I was afraid that with all this time off um, that my body was going to start to to lose its edge and so by focusing on eating healthy, sleeping well, living a very clean life. Um, that gave me the inspiration to keep, you know, going. And I would, by doing that, I would feel better when I wake up in the morning and, and, and get after it. So yeah, it was challenging most definitely because I wasn't like, okay, we're going to fly to LA and we're going to do this and you'd have things set like, okay, this month we'll be in Los Angeles. Next we'll go to New York. We're going to go down to Texas. We're going to go here. You know, I was I was stuck in the same place for a long period of time, like us all, and that that can be daunting sometimes because you feel like you're you're not living. And I'm a I'm the type I'm the type of individual that loves to travel and go and go and go. Right? Like I don't I can't stay around the place too long because I start to get edgy and I'm like, oh my god, let's go. I'm missing out on something. Right? So that was the most difficult part was you know being isolated, being isolated away from family, friends, um, the band. But we did what we could with you know luckily we have the technology to have facetime calls, zooms, you know all those things, so that kind of kept the uh oh there is a light at the end of the tunnel we just gotta we gotta hold on and we'll get there we'll get there together and thank God I had my my beautiful wife and my two beautiful kids with me and um and that that kept me that kept me sane a lot of my friends don't have that you know and so that was very difficult for them. My heart goes out to them but I'm very blessed in a lot of ways to uh to to have what I have' I'm very grateful and um it was yeah it was it's definitely a challenging time for us
1: as you move forward and you know moot the, the song gladiator you know is is the recent single and you have some you know, something coming out on august fourth too as well and you're looking to perform now and you're looking to get this out in front of people how is that planning process going with everything that's been happening? Um, especially, you know, in your, you know, your, your country, your home country, Canada, and also
2: home now in LA, what is that like for you? Uh, we had a meeting with uh, solo tech and they do a lot of big tours. And so, and we found a room that would really like to set up this live stream, a really well-produced, um, show. And we are also looking at uh, Piccolo Studios uh, to do a Halloween show. And, um, and we're going to be doing some more live performances online. Um, because everything has been pushed till next year, very few venues are open right now, potentially the capacity of 80 people in, in rooms that usually hold a thousand. So logically it's not quite sane to put on a show in those environments cause it's a little bit more difficult, but with the way technology is in live streaming and using stream lab technologies and, and ticket sales online, we can, we can track more people and more fans. So we're definitely, have, we have two of those shows on the books right now that we're working out. But, you know, it's really, a, it's a really interesting time right now. I'm so happy technology is so uh, prevalent as it is right now with iPad Pros and all these great camera systems and online streaming services and everything we can do to do performance and make it sound very well. I mean, we try, I was doing um, acoustic performances in the beginning of COVID on Instagram Live, and that was really fun and met a lot of new fans. But with the way that, like you say, Gladiator, the way it sounds, the way that the band plays it, the way that I sing it, that song was meant for a stage with people. Well, outside, live, or inside, a beautiful theater, whatever it is, you know, that's what we want to get after. And then the next single is called Freedom Fighter. And that's coming out on my birthday, August 4th. And we'll have a live version, a studio version, and we'll have an Atmos version of that, plus a music video that we shot here in Montreal at Studio Madame Wood um, with the MFICs here in Montreal. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing that next week.
1: A lot's happening. A lot's going on. And, you know, you're, you sounds like, I mean... This creative process was almost like a timestamp for you during this period, right? I mean, that's really what the creation of music was during the pandemic is, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when you do look back and you look back at the music, it's going to be like a diary with what was happening at that time. And, And most music for that matter is, but this is going to be pretty distinct because there's going to be you know, when you look back 2020, 2021, like, hey, we were all dealing with this. This was the music that I was putting out. Did it convey what you wanted to try and say or what you were feeling? Do you feel like, you know, there was nothing left on the table when it was all said and done for you?
2: Absolutely. I, I believe that, you know, this period of time is it's going to be remembered for a long, long time. I mean, the music that I hear now nowadays on the charts, I'm like, I don't know why they're there. It's kind of this cookie cutter, poppy, weird. I don't know. And um, I, I want rock and roll to get back on the charts. I wanna, I wanna see it through. Um, there's so many talented rock and roll bands out there that deserve to be up there. And um, you know, I wanna, I wanna join the charge. Um, I mean, what True Fighters are doing and, and Queens of the Stone Age and, you know, all these amazing bands out there. I mean, Metallica and Slayer. And, you know, I remember growing up and, and watching those guys on MTV and just being like, wow, that, that's that's awesome. And, um, you know, what I see now, I'm just, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm getting quite bored, to be honest. Um, and it's not very appealing. It all looks the same. It all sounds the same. So I'm hoping that with this surgence of rock and roll and like you said, all these amazing bands you're hearing now is that we can take the charge and, and get back up there and show them what they're missing. Um, you know, I play my music for my kids and, you know, my daughter's five and my son's eight and, and they love, you know, they love rock and roll music. They've been listening to it ever since they're in the you know, basically an infant. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's a place for it and we just got to keep on creating, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, definitely. I'm just looking forward to when things start to get a little bit more open and that we can get back to, uh, get on the road and, and playing.
1: I agree. You know, when I look at my son, who's now 16 and I talk about him a lot on the podcast about his growth in music. I mean, his first concert, I took him to, he was five. I I took him to see Butch Walker.
2: (laughs) I love Butch Walker. Oh yeah. He's
1: fantastic. And, and, uh, that kind of like started his journey, and then a few years later, I took him to see Maiden and Metallica, and you know now he's 16 and he's mapping out all the shows that he wants to go to this summer. <laughs> you know, and I do think that the connection for rock music is still with the young. It's always going to be with the young, and you know I've often said, and some people think I'm a broken record, but when young people went into this pandemic. They were used to the pop music. They were used to the hip hop. They were used to the norm, what was being thrown at them as they went into lockdowns and, and, and shutdowns, and e-learning and all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. what happened, and my son's even spoken about this, is young people really started to find themselves during this. And, you know, you want something different when you're doing the same thing every day. And the same thing every day is basically nothing you're doing it's like groundhog day for a lot of these kids and yes. a lot of angst and a lot of anger is created through that because they want to go out and have fun and rock and roll always thrives when there is that angst and anger when there is that search for something different that's against the grain that is completely different and i think like you mentioned and like i've talked about all these great new bands that are coming out over the last few years are there are are really connecting with the audience, with the youth, and I think it's building. And the beginning of the resurgence is definitely happening because of 2020. Everyone talked about, oh my god, rock, rock and roll is going to lose so much ground last year. I think the opposite happened. I think in the beginning, yeah, you know, kids went in with their with their earbuds and their streaming services, listening to whatever they were currently listening to, and then by the end. You know, they were listening to rock music. They were finding that edge that we talked about, that they needed to help them get through this period.
2: Absolutely. I I just, when things open up again, when they really open up, it's going to be a pleasure to be on that stage and be playing our songs and seeing those kids be able to release all that tension, all that frustration and start to see the smiles out there and, and just uh, just letting go, being young. You know, I, I feel bad for the, the youth. I mean, you and I both, we've never, when we were their age, let's say like 16, 17, 18, you know, we didn't have a pandemic. Yeah, I remember going to Rage Against the Machine at Arco Arena in Sacramento, and stage diving at 16 years old, you know? Um, and, and just going nuts and having the ball, like having the best time of my life with my buddies. You know, and I, I want my kids to have that experience with whatever music they decide to go and embellish. And I want all the kids to do that because it's so it's such an integral part of their their growth of letting that seem out in a very positive way with music. You know, it's been going on for generations and generations. You know, it's like how the Indians do when they do when they do their tribal dances around the fire. I mean, it's 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 part of us. It's, it's part of our synergy and our DNA. To be together and and listen to rhythm and bass and music and song, and and, and be in that moment uh, with with your tribe, you know that is the most, That's one of the most that makes us human. That makes us connect rather than iPhones and texts and you know it's like the real real human connection. It's animalistic. It's beautiful, and I and we're missing that right now. And I think a lot of kids are missing that because they're constantly stuck on their phones and their you know video games and stuff and. They're not getting in the garage and banging on some instruments or they're not like, you know, some are, let's say some are, but majority are living vicariously through somebody else's experiences online, you know? And it'd be wonderful to see that break, that chain break a bit, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens after this whole thing. I I just want to see from the stage POV, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I, I often tell the story about taking my son a couple summers ago to see the ranketeers up in Milwaukee and we were in this venue called the Rave and it's it's one of these old theaters and there's no air conditioning and it it was a hot day in July so we get in there and they make you put your cell phones in this pouch um the ranketeers you know were making people put their phones in the pouch so you had like nothing to do but enjoy the music you had to be present both physically and mentally which is a different experience now for a lot of people because a lot of people watch through their phones when they're, when they're at a concert, which I don't understand, but (laughs) what, uh, you know, so, so we're, you know, you're forced to really be present and they came out, you know, Jack White, Brendan Benson, the rest of the band came out, just fired up. And it was incredible. The synergy with the crowd because of everyone being there with their minds and their bodies, it was phenomenal. We walked out of the show. I turned to my son who was 14 at the time. I go, "That's how it's done." He's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> I go, "That's how it's done. That's a rock and roll show where everyone is there to see the band. No one's distracted. Everybody, you know, the crowd the crowd is creating the atmosphere that the band needs to just rev up and punch you in the gut." And yep. I go, "I go, that's what's missing in a lot of shows is the lack of being present." for the people in the audience.
2: Absolutely. Those boys know it too. I mean, Mr. White knows how to, how to put on a rock and roll show with all of his bands. Phenomenal, phenomenal musician and a lot of respect for him and his crew. Um, yeah, I saw when I saw the kills at the Mayan theater in downtown LA with my buddy, Will Dickerson and Neuron Thompson. And, um, that was a pretty spectacular show. I mean, and you would look around, you see some people on the phones, but I always made, I always told them just put your phones away. They're, we'll take a couple pictures of us here, right? Really quickly. But then put your phones away before they start. And then let's just give them that respect. Cause that's all the, the musician wants is to look out and look right into your eye. Not your, not your phone, mm-hmm. not your, your face lit up by the screen. You know, they have cameras rolling. They're going to get it. Um, but it's pretty special when you are playing and you look down and you see somebody just rocking out to your, your sounds. I mean, that, that's, that's that's the golden ticket right there. You know, that makes you feel, feel authentic. It makes you feel that you, that's a connection. That's a full connection right there. You know, yeah. and that's why we do it.
1: I was at uh, another show I took my son to. I, I took him to see rival sons. And oh, they're great. Yeah. They're phenomenal live. And <laughs> this woman is on the phone yelling on the phone at her babysitter during the show. God. and She turns to her husband, she goes, I can't hear her. And I'm like, huh? Why would you think you could hear her at a rock concert? <laughs> what? You know, what are you like, talking about? Yeah, right? Like, like, like amazing. You can't hear someone on the phone at a rock concert. You know, it's just like, like, why would that, you know, why is that lost on you? But it's just, yeah, like you said, you know, it, it's the, you know, if you're buying a ticket, you know, you have a you have a responsibility to show respect to the artist who's on stage and sh- yep. to show respect to people that are there that want to be there and that want to see this. They don't want to hear a personal conversation. They don't want to hear, you know, what what's going on with your boss or whatever's happening. They're there to 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 escape from all that. And yeah. and it's just it's amazing how, you know, we 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 are so conditioned as a society to show people what we're doing. You know, whether we're posting it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but yet while we're showing people what we're doing, we're not enjoying what people think we're enjoying because we're more, we're more concerned about showing people all the things that we're doing. You know what
2: I mean? Yeah. you want the likes and the shares and the comments and let people know that you're here. But, you know, you just don't know what every person that went to that show, what they had to go through to get to that show. You know, you don't know what they're experiencing on the outside. So to have a safe place where people can come and not a get worried about getting shot or any of this bullshit. But just to be able to come and be safe and calm and cool and enjoy the music and have a couple drinks, buy some merch and, and feel good. Where well, you're you you leave the place and you have a smile from ear to ear and you're telling your friend, Oh my god, wasn't that that song? What was that song? And Oh, that song was here, you know, and, um, oh my God. And you're just blaring in on the way home just as much as you were blaring it as they were blaring it in the, in the room and you just can't get out of your head and you go to sleep thinking about it. You know, that's, that's what you want to give them, you know, and that's, that's the experience, but yeah, I'm totally with you on, you know, somebody has a phone conversation, go to the hallway, yeah, <laughs> you know, right? get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to hear it better and get, get whatever you need to get done, done a lot faster. So, and not cause a riot. So, <laughs> go ahead.
1: Amazing how that works. Um, yeah. Taylor, it's been a blast, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation.
2: Uh, me too. I really, really appreciate, you know, inviting me down and, and great questions. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me.
1: Well, everybody, that's Taylor McCluskey. Check out his song Gladiator on all streaming sites and on YouTube. You can also check out the new song Freedom Fighter being released next week, August 4th. Taylor's birthday. Happy birthday to him. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong, and we will talk again soon. Thank you.
3: To keep us young again, we'll be done until the end. I don't want to see you I don't want to see you cry. Friends for
0: life, you know I can It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.